0: Welcome to The Investor Download, the podcast about the themes driving markets and the economy now and in the future. I'm your host, David Brett. The information age has changed the way people invest. Vast amounts of knowledge and analysis is now available online. And investors can now buy shares via online platforms and apps as easily as buying any other product. It's led to a rise in individual share ownership and consequently, investors now feel they have more power than ever before. So for the first part of this year's global investor study, which surveyed more than 23,000 investors in 33 locations around the world, Schroeders wanted to find out what it means to be an empowered investor. The study found that investors should be able to influence corporate behavior, with 60% of respondents agreeing and saying they feel empowered to do so. So in this show, along with Sheila Nickel, head of public policy at Schroder's, and Stuart Podmore, an investment propositions director and behavioral finance expert, we're going to discuss how investors might use that empowerment responsibly and what more the financial industry can do to harness that empowerment. But in the first part of the show, we'll discuss what it means to be an empowered investor and what's changed between now and three decades ago. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Investor Download. Sheila, welcome back to the show. You probably don't remember the last time you've been on, but it's been a while.
1: It, it has been a while, and it's great to be back, and I'm delighted to be back with you.
0: All right, Sheila, just for the listeners at home, could you just explain what your role is at Schroder's? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, fundamentally, I lead a very small team uh, whose job it is to engage with policymakers. That's with governments, with regulators, both in terms of making sure the environment, um, the regulatory environment is conducive to our business and to that of our clients. Science, and also alerting horizon scanning, alerting uh, the business to what's coming up on the horizon when it comes to regulatory and political.
0: In, uh, initiatives. And uh, Stuart Podmore, uh, you're back on the show, an investment
2: propositions director and behavioural finance expert at Schroeders. And again, Sh- Stuart, it's been a while. Welcome back. It has been a while. And uh, yeah, we've been talking about some quite challenging subjects over the last couple of years. And uh, actually, this the subject we're going to be covering today is no different. There's plenty to say.
0: And speaking of challenging subjects, you cycled 25 miles into work this morning.
2: Yes, I think I've overdone it, <laughs> uh, actually, on reflection. But I, uh, I've i actually broken my uh, caffeine-free approach uh, just for this morning. So, I should be fine. Well, good stuff. Let's uh, crack on then. So, we mentioned the Global
0: Investor Study at the top of the show. Uh, So, Sheila, investors feel they should be able to influence corporate behavior. What do you think that means? Is it just about profitability?
1: No, I I mean, I think um, the the world is shifting quite a lot and quite fast in this area. And I think actually investors, um, while, of course, they continue to be interested in getting a return on their investments, I think they're taking much, much more interest in actually how profits are achieved. And and I think, you know, we'd very much agree with that understanding um, that um, the impact that companies have on society and the impact that, the planet have on the planet and um, a whole range of different stakeholders is actually crucial to
0: determining their true cost okay I just wonder if you could take us back a little bit is what you're seeing now anything different from what we saw maybe 20 or 30 years ago
1: I'd love to say I didn't remember uh, 20 or 30 years ago, but I'm afraid I can't actually say that. Um, yes, I think I think things are very different now from, I think, even just in the last five years, there's been a lot more interest in a broader range of issues. Um, I think traditionally engagement with companies was in that ESG, environmental social governance. I think traditionally the focus was on governance and it was on things like executive remuneration and And things like that I think that's really shifted now probably um, prompted by climate change and a lot more focus on the e but it isn't just climate change in the e context and then there's the s which is the the social aspects which I think is also more and more important and and likely to become so um, in the future
0: and what do you think investors are looking for companies when they're looking at the social aspect of things? I
1: mean, it's things like um, employee relations, uh, working conditions, relationships with the local communities um, and so on. So it's all very well having a great environmental policy. But actually, if you're not supporting, if you're exploiting the local communities or something like that, then that, you're not going to get very far. So actually, they're all inextricably linked. The E, S and the G, I think, are all in inextricably linked.
0: And sure, apart from the technology, what do you think
2: is making people say they feel more empowered? Well, actually, before before we skip over technology too quickly, I think it's worth just making the point here that in two clicks, uh, you you could buy a property with cryptocurrency or you could invest directly with leverage uh, via a platform such as Robinhood. So, Let's not go over technology too quickly. It does enable greater accessibility, and I think that can bring with it the impression of empowerment. And let's not forget that access to all of this without any understanding can be dangerous for investors. I would take it a step further, and I'd say that technology-enabled social media also plays a part. What this does is behaviorally create an instant herding effect that happens very rapidly, perhaps more rapidly than it might have happened in the past. And it brings forward very much the reality of a a fear of missing out. And we've seen that with some of the the newer cryptocurrencies and the non-fungible tokens. And behavioral scientists often, when they they start talking about... Uh, approaches to investing and how to avoid some of the pitfalls, they often advise people in a a deceptively basic way. They say, well, hang on a minute, at least slow down that decision-making process. And that sounds very simple, but actually that's really good advice. And the problem there is that technology enables us to speed everything up. Um, So let's not forget that. And I think then aside from technology... Intuitively, I do feel as if there's greater demand across society now, especially in liberal democracies. I, I do get the sense that our kids and uh, those uh, up-and-coming uh, generations as they head through school and beyond uh, are developing a sense that they can make a difference. And this can lead to a, a general feeling of empowerment across society. It's cert- it certainly happened, and we've got evidence of this, haven't we, on on, uh, on climate. And I think what's going to be really interesting is how this manifests itself uh, through some of the societal decisions and judgments that, uh, that Sheila's already referred to. I just want to take you back there for a moment. You mentioned social media. Uh,
0: we saw the Wall Street bets phenomenon and how much uh, of an impact a group of investors can have, perhaps egged on by one another and what they can do to individual stocks, uh, the so-called mean stocks such as GameStop. But does that present any obvious
2: dangers for investors? Well, I don't think we can point to data on that necessarily at the moment. But again, intuitively, although I always feel slightly worried when I use that word, um, intuitively, I wonder whether that increased activism, that almost immediate herding effect through platform, through technology can lead to greater levels of volatility in the markets. But I suppose I'd say, on the other hand, let's not forget that so long as there have been markets and so long as there have been investors, there have been many human traits which lead people in extremists to demonstrate greed or fear. Uh, And uh, so whilst I do believe that... The examples you gave just now must have had a bearing on that volatility. I don't think we should overlook the fact that the existing factors with which we have become so familiar throughout the years of investing, um, they remain.
0: Get in touch with us by email at Podcasts at shorters.com or visit our website shutters.com forward slash the investor download going back to the global investor study, perhaps unsurprisingly, those who rate themselves as investors with an advanced level of knowledge feel more empowered than those with beginner or
2: intermediate knowledge. So are we seeing any behavioural biases at play here or is it justified? Well, that's a really interesting one. So I think we need to remember here that it's well documented in behavioural science that Desiring and seeking more information when faced with decisions or judgment under uncertainty does not necessarily lead to better decision making. And I think investors should just remember that. Having said that, uh, investors increasing their understanding of how the financial system works, how we deploy capital, how capital is deployed. Well, surely that I would argue that could only be a good thing. And I think uh, the, the transparency increasing associated with that is is really quite important. We as professional investors, well, we can help with that. We can add value there. And in the Global Investor Survey, we we see very much that increased investment knowledge really does appear to support people's confidence uh, when they are thinking about corporate decision-making and whether or not they agree with it, whether or not they feel they can influence it. But remember there too that behaviorally and typically, you know, we overestimate our absolute ability as individuals. I, I always think I'm better than I actually am. I'm afraid, and and uh, and also we overrate ourselves relative to others. Uh, I have to, have to confess to this, but I probably think subconsciously that I'm better at it than maybe Sheila or yourself, David. <laughs> of course not. Of course, of course not. not. <laughs> but, but that's part of how we are constructed as humans. I think as professionals, as guardians of our clients' assets, we've got a lot of experience here, and experience helps. I mean, that helps you develop an idea of slow down, process, work this one out. And that's where we can bring some value to bear in order to support better investment outcomes for our clients. And Sheila, how has it affected the way that Schroders engages
0: with companies and with investors?
1: Yeah, well, of course, we see it from both sides um, because we are, of course, a FTSE 100 company ourselves with shareholders with whom we need to communicate. And we also, as, as Stuart says, I mean, we're looking after other people's money and we engage ourselves um, with the companies in which we invest and, and picking up on, on, on Stuart's point about engagement. So part of our role as a, as a manager is precisely that role of engaging. There's a lot of talk about voting, but it's not just about voting at at, at AGMs. That's in many ways the end of a much longer process of engagement that we are able to have as a professional investor looking after after other people's money. So I think, you know, it's not just about individuals engaging with the companies. It's about us as an asset manager engaging with the companies. But what that then means for us is that we really need to be... uh, increasingly because investors are interested in this we need to explain ourselves so we for example have published a blueprint um, which explains how we will engage with companies what issues we will engage with them on and then increasingly we are reporting back to investors as to um, what the result of that engagement has been how we're monitoring the engagement um, and so on so I think that a lot there's a lot more transparency and 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 investors are looking for a lot more transparency around how we as a a professional manager engage with the companies we invest in.
0: And do you think it's important for individual investors to have a clearer understanding of how they can influence corporate decision-making?
1: Absolutely. I mean, the more understanding investors have and the more engaged they are in the finances, the better. Actually, if you're talking about corporate eng- corporate engagement, and if you're talking about influencing the companies in which you're investing in, you're already at quite a high degree of sophistication. I mean, in many ways, just um, encouraging people to uh, engage with their money, enhancing financial literacy, enhancing the confidence that people have in in talking about money, um, is 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 really important. And this isn't just, I mean, there's. You know, it's it's not just about financial education. I always much prefer the word word engagement. Education gives the sort of impression of talking about teaching teenagers about compound interest. Yes, you know, that is a very important aspect of it. But we're told, for example, that our attitudes to money are formed at the age of seven. So it's actually talking about money generally, not, you know, leading to investment. It's talking about attitudes to money and it's about money in primary schools. And then it's throughout one's life, um, all the way through to retirement, care, home care, so on and so forth, and actually engaging and finding interesting and engaging p- ways of, of getting people to think about their money. Also, getting people to understand um, the importance of investing, actually. So it's as basic as that, and the risk of not taking risk. So in this world, as we're facing you know, higher, higher levels of inflation, actually the importance of taking risk... But also, uh, and again, coming back to, to Stuart's point about people having confidence and people engaging, it's about having professional advice and turning to professional advisors who can hold your hand, who can advise you, who can talk to you about engagement with the, and what kind you know the, the, what managers are doing in terms of engagement. So uh, you know you're not on your own, and actually finding a professional advisor is, is, is vital, I think in a lot of this.
0: We were talking about technology earlier, Stuart, yes. and it's enabled investors to easily buy and sell shares. But is it an enabler for investor empowerment?
2: Well, as we said earlier, it brings some risk, doesn't it, David? Um, I'd go back to what we do as a professional investor on behalf of our clients. You know, throughout our investment teams, we've deployed a huge amount of technology in support of an investment process or investment processes. So on behalf of our clients, we've, we've invested a lot of money in that. And that's, and that's for good reason, because if we get those underlying processes right, we can manage risk, we can construct portfolios that are, we hope, uh, fit for purpose. And I don't think all investors are going to be able to say that. They might get the accessibility here, but they might not be able to say that. So whilst uh, technology might help them feel more empowered, there are potentially some behavioural downsides in terms of their investment returns. Uh, and, that, and that's, I think, where guidance and advice comes in. And I think also um, that's where our investment in technology can help. Um, it, it essentially, wherever possible, protects on that downside. Uh, and as, as Sheila referenced earlier, you know, the idea of doing that throughout our lives, having, having a sense of process throughout our lives as investors versus one-off somewhat spontaneous decisions, that can only be a good thing. I like the idea of life-stage decision-making or key moments in life. I I know I've felt that at certain points. Um, And actually, some of the best decisions and some of the best outcomes, as we have gone through our lives in our household, unfortunately, have happened by chance. Wouldn't it be better, rather than leaving that to fortune or misfortune to have some sort of plan there at just those points when it's most needed um, and that's where I think through our stakeholder engagement we can help with that we can bring an element of teamwork and certainty to it and that's only a good thing. You mentioned earlier uh, Sheila uh, Schroeder's has many stakeholders in itself as well as being a stakeholder
0: in many companies so has Schroder's itself seen more activism in recent years from its shareholders or its stakeholders?
1: Yeah no absolutely um, very much so I think there's much much more discussion and conversation with the with with our shareholders on a on a very right, wide range of, of issues. You know, as I say, not just remuneration, which is always something that's hits the headline, um, but also on our environmental um, policies, on um, I mean there are obvious things you know where we have to make formal statements on things like gender pay gap, um, on generally on pay gaps, all all these sorts of things are things that investors are now much, much more interested um, in hearing about. And I think when we're looking at it from the perspective of uh, of an investor as well, um, I mean, I think uh, as an investor, uh, this sort of active um, ownership that we have gives us a much Broader understanding of the companies in which we're investing. So I think you know our investors get a much better understanding of how we operate, what makes us tick, and we do the same with the companies that we're we're investing in. And it takes us beyond um, just what financial data um, can can uh, can offer. And I think what you know what we might want want to describe as um, sort of in impact adjusted profits, um, um, going beyond profit as to going. To going back to our sort of earlier conversation, and you know, we're we're thinking in that way. We're explaining that to our investors, but equally, that is the way that we think when we're um, when
0: we're talking to the companies in which we invest. So we've mentioned stakeholders throughout this conversation, you probably should really explain that. So the feeling of empowerment is part of that transition from shareholder capitalism, as that's where companies operate for the benefit of their shareholders, to stakeholder capitalism. And that's where companies operate for the benefit of all stakeholders. And investors are now increasingly using their money in an attempt to bring about positive change in society. What we got told through the Global Investor Study was the most important issue for investors to engage with companies on was climate change, and that's followed by natural capital and biodiversity, as well as many
2: other issues. So, Stuart, what are these results telling us about investors' activism? Well, I think first and foremost, David, this is telling us that investors are recognising that they can have an influence and they can have a collective influence over companies, but particularly with regard to the environment and climate change and the the imperatives associated with that. But I think also the survey is showing us and telling us that actually investors are now starting to recognise that they can have greater societal and cultural influence. That's definitely coming next. It's already happening. Um, What I find so interesting about this is if you talk to any fund manager over the years here at you realise very quickly that governance, often so overlooked as being that sort of somewhat dry subject, but governance actually, as a sustainable risk, has been absolutely fundamental and key in providing clients with good investment outcomes. And that's been for us since the year DOT. Uh, And I think with governance comes the recognition, and this is where maybe investors need to think about this a little more, comes the recognition that this is very much in active management about exercising good judgement. You can exercise decisions on risks if you understand and recognise all of those risks and if they are there to be recognised. But very often we'll be making decisions classically against a backdrop of uncertainty. Just think about how that's felt over the last two or three years for many people, investors and many fund managers. So I think, I really hope that investors come to recognise that actually in time, stakeholder capitalism is very nuanced. Uh, overall, and that all of the risks and opportunities are linked to one another. Uh, and so the, the, the challenge here is to balance commercial objectives with, with how those uh, increasing societal and, and governance objectives uh, 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 are managed as well. And I think that's a big challenge for companies, but it's simultaneously a big challenge for investors. Those people that think this is just a case of a, a clear-cut binary decision uh, w- will be burned.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that, actually, and it's about being thoughtful. And it's, again, it's, it's so it's not automatically um, uh, using a proxy voting service and going along with, you know, the recommendations. Uh, it's not just automatically um, th- unthinkingly thinking, well, this sounds like a good idea. Th- things are often much more nuanced and actually really getting to the bottom of the culture of an organisation, of a company, getting to the bottom of the way they think. And, and you know, is what they're saying matched by? what they're actually doing yes. um, I think is, 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 is important. So it's really getting to know things and not, not, as you say, binary knee-jerk
0: reactions. So how should companies and advisors be helping investors
2: in that way? How should they be responding? Well, I think adopting radio silence is dangerous. Um, so uh, let's not go down that route. Um, explanation definitely helps. Uh, I think transparency associated with that explanation also helps. And actually, I believe that if companies and advisors uh, and the professionals in this this value chain have done their jobs well, then I think investors, the manifestation of that, the symptom of that, a job well done, is that investors are less worried in times of market and geopolitical turmoil. And let's face it, we've had a gutful of that this year so far. So I think... Investors actually might be quite surprised by the number of initiatives that are already out there when you think about the Financial Reporting Council's corporate governance code on employee relations, for example. So what we want here is for companies to provide that explanation, to be transparent, but also to enjoy as much as possible a freedom from constraint. They have to be able to manage their organisations, manage the culture and be trusted. Uh, And that freedom is really quite important. It reminds me a little bit of Professor Hans Rosling, the late Professor Hans Rosling, who said, you know, if you give somebody a hammer, everything becomes a nail. And I think we just need to be a little bit careful there. Um, So this is undoubtedly something to watch uh, for all involved. And Sheila, final question to you, what more can the industry do to engage
0: with these empowered investors?
1: Well, I think encourage people to ask questions, encourage people to feel confident um, about their finance, encourage policies which cause people to actually engage with their money. Um, and um, again, picking up a, a point that um, Stuart has made, it's not just about, you know, as I say, you're quite far down the sophistication spectrum if you're if you're talking about engaging with companies. So actually giving people, um, you know, developing the idea, for example, of financial health checks. So um, when these would be moments a bit like physical health checks, you know, we're offered opportunities to, you know, at certain stages in our lives to have a physical health check you know, actually offering everyone in the population the opportunity at either at important points in their lives, when they're leaving university or when they're leaving school, when they're starting a job, when they're leaving university, when they're taking out a mortgage, when they're having a child, so on. Those moments in life when people are actually willing to think I'm interested in talking about my money and just having, I think that idea of financial health checks is one yes. that could be really interesting. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean that's very, much, that's very much like the idea of behavioural nudges. Yes, um, It's the idea of setting up wherever possible, almost d- default environments so that you encourage and guide people towards sensible decisions. And behavioral scientists very often talk about the need for default wherever possible uh, and, and making it easy for people, making it attractive. We get that right. Well, it's, it is very much uh, empowering for investors.
0: Well, that was the show. We very much hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more, check out our website, schroders.com forward slash the investor download. You can also get in contact with us about anything in the show or ideas for future shows at schroderspodcasts at schroders.com. Please remember to subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review. We're now doing one show a week, which will be available every Thursday from 5pm UK time. Thanks very much for listening. But above all, keep safe and go well. Cheers. The value of investments and the income from them may go down as well as up. Investors may not get back the amounts originally invested. Past performance is not a guide to future performance. The information is not an offer, solicitation or recommendation of any funds, services or products or to adopt any investment strategy.